Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. My name is Allison Berenger, host of Bodies. This is OPP. Welcome to another episode of Other People's Podcast, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Today's special guest is Allison Barringer, host of the amazing podcast, Bodies. Each episode follows one person's journey to solve a mystery about their body while exploring the forces of history, society, and identity that shape women's health and affect the way the medical community treats people. In this episode, we learn more about Allison's life before podcasting, her time as a student at Princeton University, her podcaster's picks, and of course, we chat about her dope show, Bodies. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Allison Berenger. Allison, what's going on? Not much, just sitting here with you in my living room slash apartment slash uh, kitchen. Yeah. Oh, it's very, very nice. It's very Brooklyn. It's kind of like if Friends was based in Brooklyn. Yeah. This would be the house. Yeah. And like a third of the size. Though. Third of the size. But yeah. really nice. Yeah. Like yeah. natural lighting and like yeah. have the exposed brick. Yeah. Classic. Do you live here with girls? Um, I have a roommate named Phil and a roommate named Lydia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, uh, uh, what's the show back in the 70s? Um, Three's Company. Haven't seen it, but sure. What, with John Ritter, Three's Company? With uh, Suzanne Summers. Oh, wow. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah, you got to go back in the vault. <laughs> got to go back in the vault and check that out. It's a 70s classic. It was based around two girls and a gay man, but he wasn't gay because it was uh-huh. in the 70s. Right. You can't do that yet. Yeah. So it was like a Bert and Ernie kind of thing. Like, uh-huh. You know, you assume. <laughs> but yeah, that was the vibe. But this place is very, very nice. Thanks. So you've been here for four years, you said? Yeah, going on four years. Yeah. I, I used literally lived on. Uh, uh, Putnam a couple blocks away uh-huh. for three years. Yeah. So when I think of home, this is what I think of. It's right here. Right here in Clinton Hill. Yeah. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Maryland. Uh, what part of Maryland? Near Annapolis. So kind of between Ooh, Baltimore like, and Annapolis. Are your parents naval people? No, but definitely like grew up going to the local mall in Annapolis and just like looking up at all the midshipmen and thinking they were so cute. And then suddenly coming back in college and then afterwards and then realizing like, oh my gosh, these are, these are boys, these are little <laughs> boys here. <laughs> but I do have some family who's in the Naval Academy. So do you eat crabs? There. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. Oh my There's God. some old bay in the cabinet. We yes. can, you know, Look, yeah. First of all, I had no idea. So I'm from Virginia. Okay. So I had no idea when I moved to New York or when I went to go visit other people. Actually, when I had girlfriends, I learned everything through my girlfriends um, that, wow, people just don't eat crabs on the regular. Like, yeah, it was such a part of my yeah. diet and culture that I was assuming that everyone, like in Mexico or New Mexico, of course you eat crabs. That's not the case. And if they do, they don't eat them like mid-Atlantic style. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be good friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I saw you went to Princeton, too. I did go to Princeton. What did you major at Princeton? I studied sociology. 
Okay. Which, from my perspective, can apply to everything. It really applies to what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So what's like going uh, going to Princeton? What's it like going to Princeton? You strike Ooh. me as like a, like a good daughter. Yeah. Yeah, you strike me as like, I'd be so proud. Like you follow the rules. You went to Princeton. <laughs> you know, you're podcasting. <laughs> living in Brooklyn, living your best life. Yeah, yeah. Um, Princeton was... I mean, I'm super grateful for the opportunities. I got a lot of cool opportunities to go abroad and stuff, but I do remember um, coming home from for Thanksgiving my first year and everyone's like, oh my gosh, do you love it? And I was like, oh, not yet. Not really. I mean, it was, it was really hard, obviously, but also just like the amount of wealth was just kind of mind blowing of some of my classmates and stuff. So I think huge cultural adjustment, huge academic adjustment, um, uh, yeah. I mean, also, yeah. Like looking back now at some of the ridiculous, like party stuff happening, it's like, I don't know. yeah. Like what, what, uh, advice, because let's like, say for me, like, I, you know, I don't come yeah. from, um, a wealthy financial situation as a kid or anything yeah. like that. Like what advice would you give someone who is just coming from like modest beginnings going to uh, a school like that? Well, I mean, I feel like the one thing that I finally got the hang of junior and senior year is that no one really knows what they're talking about. You know, I'd like go into these classes and just feel so dumb and so stupid. And then finally realizing like, oh, no one really understands what's going on, but they've just gotten better at like at playing the game. Mm. So I feel like for me, it was just a long learning process of playing the game. But um, advice... Man, I don't know. I guess just like there are good people who are similar to you yeah. also. And I think that, yeah, and just be patient with yourself and you'll find good people. Well, that's not very good <laughs> advice. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Um, so you majored in sociology. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, what was your career path going to be? Um, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, and... So, yeah, I really was not sure what I knew, what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that I wanted to live abroad or do something like that. And I had had, I'd been to, I had spent a summer in India and South Africa and done some other traveling. And I was like, okay, I really want to, I think I want to go abroad. I don't know what kind of work I want to do. Um, and then there's this really great program called Princeton in Asia, okay, which anyone can apply for. And I would say it's now like maybe a fourth or a fifth Princeton kids, but anyone can apply. Wait, every. Uh, anyone can apply? Or only Any Princeton? recent graduate. Oh, can I, was apply. Saying, I, can, I want to apply. <laughs> you can apply. You can apply. You could apply. Okay. Yeah. Mostly recent grads, but like they have, you know, people further out from college. Okay. I remember I went in, I had no idea where in Asia I wanted to go because they have all these different fellowships around Asia teaching, non, um, nonprofit, NGO, business place, all the way from um, Indonesia up to China, up to Kazakhstan, all over the place. Um, and I ended up at a, I applied and ended up at a teaching post in Northern Thailand. So I was there for a year and then it's like, Hey, I think I should come back. Like I want to be around family and friends more. And then ended up teaching in New York city, actually through a, um, it's called blue engine. It's a nonprofit through, um, AmeriCorps funded. And basically you like go into classrooms and you're a teaching assistant. So I was teaching, 
10th grade in the South Bronx. And then after that, I was like, okay, I think I could teach for a while and be really happy, but I am interested in doing, um, writing or documentary. And I had taken some journalism classes in college. Um, yeah, so I did, um, writing and and multimedia there and then moved to New York and was like, okay, I want to explore documentary film or writing. And as one does, if you moved to New York with a plan like that. I really struggled for the first oh, yeah. <laughs> couple months. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then through the alumni network of that um, small documentary study school, okay. found this, got connected to this tech company called Betaworks, and they had made some early investments in audio and podcast companies and had this kind of crazy idea, kind of inspired by Startup and Alex Bloomberg to hire someone who had never worked in tech, had never made a podcast before, who was just moving to New York and have them make a podcast about what it's like to work in tech for the first time and live in New York. And so somehow I, I convinced them that that should be me. Because um, how that opportunity come about? Um, someone had emailed out this email list, alumni listserv. And I think the email read something like, hey, has anyone recently moved to New York? Um, if so, get in touch. Interesting radio opportunity awaits. Okay. Something something very vague like that. And so I responded and did a work sample and went in and spoke with the person who had this idea. And then, um, but then like edited it together on video editing software, because that's what I'd learned how to do. And in fact, the first two episodes of the podcast that I would go on to make at Betaworks, I had edited on video software because that's Get all that out. I knew. So basically they hired me and they're like, okay, now make a podcast. It's like, I've never done this before. Okay. I guess I'll figure it out. And, um, so I was there for a year and made a podcast called the intern. Yes. Tell me more about. Yeah. Yeah. So the intern, um, was a show about someone being in tech for the first time living in New York. And, you know, I had kind of, um, pushed back against the idea that this was about me, right? Like the whole reason that I got into, um, documentary and writing. Like I want to write about other people's stories. Like I don't want to write about myself. I don't want to put myself in stories. I was very averse to that and nervous about that. So I would describe it as like a show about tech. Um, but then I kind of realized actually like this is a show about me and I am a character in this. And actually people really love that, especially with podcasts and audio and you really connect to people. So what it turned out to be is that each episode of the intern, I would kind of ask a question about the tech industry. Like I think the second episode, for example, is, you know, where does, where does the money come from? And obviously I understand in theory, like, okay, it's venture capital and investors and stuff, but like, actually, where does this money come from? And, you know, but that, that was all kind of within the setting of me being at this tech company. And, you know, the opening scene of that episode is, you know, everyone's, drinking free booze and I'm like cheersing with my boss and there's free food everywhere. And it's like, wait, none of these companies have are making money, nor do they have plans to make any money. Like, how does this work? And then there's an, a further episode where I managed to, <laughs> I don't know how they let me do this, but I um, recorded my salary negotiation process because I, I had been there for six months and I was like starting to get a sense of what other people were making. And then the next to last episode was an episode about diversity because you walk into this office and there's very little diversity. Yeah. Um, and I think actually one thing that I've seen a lot with tech, and I'm not as tuned into like the tech diversity conversation now, but at the time it seemed to be very much like, well, there's women here. There's women here. 
But then it's like, okay, but are the women in management positions? Yes. No. And there are no Latino people here. There's maybe like one black person. Like that's not diversity. Right. Right. Um, Or this idea of like doing, like getting the, doing women first and then maybe trying race and then try, it's like, no, you don't, that's not how you approach diversity. You approach, you have to like ingrain it into the company. So I think by that point, like (laughs) it was a, you know, very amicable end to the show. I kind of felt like, okay, we did what we could with this first year. Like I'm no longer someone who's never made a podcast and fresh into New York. Cause how did you learn how to make uh, a podcast. Like what was that process like for you? Yeah. Did you so, like YouTube it or? um, a lot of struggling. And in fact, for the first couple of months, it was like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did have a recorder and just recorded everything like conversations at work, conversations with my roommates. Like I recorded a trip to Ikea trying to bring back a mattress. So there's like kind of some, um, calls with my grandfather where, you know, he's like a very practical person. And when I'm like all excited about telling him about this job, he's like, so what about health insurance? You know, what about your 401k? So all, kind of all these characters started, all these real people in my life kind of became characters in the show. Um, so I feel like two ways I learned how to do this. One was I was able to convince Betaworks to let me hire an editor, you know, someone who had done narrative documentary work before. Okay. And it's this woman named Caitlin Prest who formerly made the show The Heart and now is working on um, a new show that just came out called The Shadows. Um, and I had just met her at like a listening radio club and just approached her and was like, Hey, you know, I know your work. Will you be my editor? Um, and so basically like in working together, we would meet a a couple hours every week. She would listen to cuts, give me feedback. And so I think, um, from working with her and just really trying to consume a lot of, um, narrative documentary audio and like really thinking about structure and like learning from her through her edits, like, what makes a good story? How do we build tension? All of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that on like the structure creation side. And then in terms of the editing, I mean, um, it was all just like, oh, I need to learn. I need to figure out how to cut this or do that. YouTube it or be on forums. So basically, uh, yeah, using the internet to help me out a lot with the technical side and then just um, working with this woman, Caitlin, and and also just like making a bunch of other friends in the audio podcast industry, which at the time, I mean, it's pretty incredible. Like I've only been working in this industry for three years yeah. and, you know, the people who I met when I was just getting started or they were, you know, early stage producers, associate producers, interns are now like senior producers at shows or, you know, it's been pretty incredible to see like the growth of the cohort of, of radio doc folks that started even just three years ago. So, you know, kind of now fast forward, I have this group of people who I can go and send my work to and be like, Hey, can you give me notes on this? So, I mean, I feel like any creative person, I'm sure it's like, you know, you're, you're, they're your friends, but they're also your creative collaborators and your editors. And like, those are the people you need in your life. So I think that was like a huge part of, um, learning too. Yeah. Also, we're going to take a quick, quick break. Yeah. We get back. We're going to talk more about podcasting and get into your show bodies. Great. And we're back. How did you first uh, hear about the medium of podcasting? I feel like most people who have gotten into the world of This American Life type things, it started with This American Life. And for me, it was when I was um, living in Thailand and we would take these really long overnight bus trips. So we would 
take an overnight bus from Nan, this town in the north, to Bangkok and then fly out of there or, you know, doing all this different traveling. And I remember like loading Radio Lab, This American Life. I think maybe one other one other thing, but those were the main ones. Um, and those were that's how I kind of got into it as a listener. Cause my I think some people grew up on NPR and grew up on This American Life. That was not my case. We just listened to like the pop music local radio station. So I didn't really understand like what radio meant in that context as like a storytelling form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you, you know, after the intern develop yeah. the concept for, for bodies? Yeah. So. And, and, and tell the listener yeah. about bodies. Yeah, sure. So um, bodies is a doc style podcast that I just wrapped up. Um, it's six episodes this first season and each episode is, um, one person's journey to solve a mystery about their body. And, um, I'm really interested in the feminist angle on this and, and women and non-binary people's experience of navigating the medical system. Um, and so it's kind of like medical mystery, but it's less about the doctor's I think we have a lot of medical mystery shows that are much more focused on the doctor's experience yeah. with diagnosing a patient or figuring out the mystery, but bodies very much takes a, um, follows the person and their journey and just kind of like all the things that affect the body. Um, and I think another big theme is just how women's pain, women's health is dismissed and not taken as seriously or given adequate research or study. Um, and so I, I finished up at I finished up at the intern and then I guess it was probably soon after it that the kernel of the idea for bodies came. Um, so that was like, um, I guess that was two years ago at this point that the idea first started to come to me. And the first episode of bodies is my own experience with a medical mystery. And probably was, do you remember the exact moment that the idea popped in your head? You know? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had also, I had another idea for a podcast that was kind of like a magazine style show where there would be like an interview and a fiction story and a poem and a recipe kind of all in one. And I had been thinking about that a lot. And, um, and then I also had this idea for like a women's health show and I had had this personal experience with. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, which I chronicle in the first episode about my own experience with painful sex. And this was something that happened to me two years prior to that um, and hadn't really talked about. And so I started thinking like, oh, maybe I want to tell that story. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I can't remember exactly when the thought crossed my mind, but it it, it was not a form, um, completely formed idea. Like I had this idea for the magazine show. I had this idea maybe for a personal story, but it wasn't like a whole podcast. It was like, oh, I, I'll pitch this story to someone else okay. or I'll write this. Or I'll do something with it. And then I remember I was meeting with someone um, for a job actually. And 
because I was also like trying to make money and trying to get hired for another show. Um, and the woman like asked me about what I was working on. And I was like, yeah, there's this like women's health show that's inspired by my personal experience, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, do you have a, a pitch deck and a budget and a proposal you can send me for it? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, went home and like furiously put together a, try to put a budget together, a proposal, a pitch deck. And, um, a lot of people have asked me like, how did you do that? And like, the answer is just like trying again and again and again. And I, I probably have like 15 versions of the budget before I like arrived at my final one. And over the next year would go on to pitch like 10 different companies. Um, and just my pitch, I, I actually like being in the startup world, I think helped inform like how I would present this information. Cause when you're pitching a startup, you need to be really concise. You need to have a story, um, need to be really clear. So, um, I also pulled a lot from like pitching a documentary because there's not really resources online about like how to pitch a podcast no. and how to build a podcast budget. Like we you should, won't find we should that. get on that. Yeah. So yeah, then I, I to kind of go back. So I had this kernel of an idea. This company was like, do you have a pitch deck? I was like, sure. And they ended up passing. And um, and then about nine months later, um, got connected with KCRW and they liked the idea. And by that time, my pitch was ready to go. I knew how to explain bodies in two sentences. I had a, a budget. Um, and I think on their side, they were really looking for something that was more like women-centered media, a female host, um, and so I think it was like right time, right place kind of thing. And then, so that was, they gave me enough money to make the pilot. So that was kind of a test run. So last summer, um, 2017, I made the pilot. They liked it. They gave me the rest of the budget. And um, we published the first episode uh, this summer and it just finished running. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I describe you as every guy's podcast girlfriend. And the reason why I, just, I explain it that way is because so many things about the female body, a lot of guys don't understand. The only way I really know is through relationships, yeah. right? I'm I'm not going to talk to, you know, a girl at a coffee shop about menopause, right? You know, nine times out of ten, we're not going to have that conversation. Yeah. So you have that with your girlfriend or the person you're dating, and I'm sure that's maybe how a lot of guys understand like the female body a little more. Yeah. You know, so you're kind of giving guys like people in general, but from, you know, I'm operating as a dude. Yeah. So like you're giving me a lot of insight into, into that. I was really interested in the episode about menopause. Yeah. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about that episode to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So, um, but to quickly comment on, on the, the podcast girlfriend, I think that's, that's really interesting. And I'm really glad to hear that because I think the show is I have been making it for a mostly women, women identifying audience. Um, but it is certainly also the audience I hope will be men too, who like are curious about this and who just like want to listen to a good story. I mean, I don't think, I think body stories are, um, just good stories. Um, well, like the sex hurts episode yeah, and the way that you explained like that, I don't know if this is your boyfriend currently or no. Okay, the, the guy you were dating at that time, yeah. he wasn't a dick. He wasn't a bad guy. You know, he just doesn't. He his he didn't have any perspective of understanding what you really explained it really well. If he didn't have an understanding of what you were going through, but you also weren't explaining necessarily to him, this is what's going on. You know, right, right. It yeah. was a good way of showing, yeah, like both sides. Yeah, and some of I mean, I've had a lot of women write to me, and those 
messages have been really rewarding. And what I've found is it's um, incredible and remarkable, but also really sad just how many women experience painful sex. And I've received so many notes from people and I've been kind of blown away just by the the sheer number. Um, I've also received some pretty cool messages from men, friends, or like friends of friends who have said like, wow, I listened to, you know, the, the sex hurts episode and, you know, maybe someone I was dating experienced that. And, you know, that was like really, um, it will change the way I approach relationships. Totally. And I didn't understand that or know that. Um, and yeah, I think that bodies really looks at like the systemic issues and like, why don't men, why don't men have a better awareness of this? Like, um, kind of looking bigger picture about what's going on and the lack of communication, the communication breakdowns. Uh, have you felt comfortable sharing your own personal story <laughs> and being sometimes the subject of bodies? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, cause I made, like I said, I made the pilot, the first episode, which is my own experience. And then each subsequent episode is a different person. Yeah. Um, but I still play a role as like narrator and then the person who's getting to know this other person. Um, and so I kind of had a year to like think about this episode where I like really, I go into a lot of detail about my relationship and the pain I experienced and just kind of my own insecurities and fears. And, um, and I mean, I did get comfortable talking about it because I'd be like talking to dudes about this story when I was pitching it or like people would ask me what I'm working on. And then they say, what's the first episode about? I say myself. And, you know, I end up telling this like painful sex story to a lot of people. Um, But I would go to bed some nights and be like, am I really about to share this story? Like, am I really about to put this out? And, um, and, but kind of put it away and was working on the other episodes. And then like a week before the first episode came out, I listened to it after not, you know, not touching this this episode for a long time. The first time I feel the pain, we're in Paris after the summer apart. He meets me at the airport with flowers and a chocolate croissant. We've been practicing our French together all summer. That first night back together, we're having a hard time taking it slow. It's going exactly as I imagined. But then he enters me. And I feel a little pain and some burning. But it also feels so good to have him inside me again, so I don't say anything. And I was kind of like, yeah, wow, I can't believe that I'm putting this out. And it was really... It was really personal, like the... Yeah. Explaining the way that sex was happening... Yeah. ...was very personal. Yeah. And I was was like, oh, wow, she's like going into... That wasn't graphic detail. Right. But it was detail enough to... Oh, wow. She's going into this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that actually, um, uh, credit goes a lot to my editor who, um, was the same editor on the intern, Caitlin Mm -hmm. Prest, who does a lot of audio stories around intimacy and love and sex. And so she, you know, I wrote, it was like my boyfriend like this. And I just wasn't giving any details about him or like the relationship. Um, and she was like, Allison, you're writing about this story from like Allison of today. Like you need to bring us back into that story. Like what was he wearing? What did the room look like? How did you feel? What were you thinking? Like, when did you fall in love with him? And, and so I started like going back through journals, emails, pictures, like really trying to inhabit who I was at that time and what I was experiencing. And I think 
one of my fears always with like doing personal work where you put yourself out there is like, who the fuck cares? Like, um, why, why are you putting that self that out there? It's self-indulgent. It's navel gazing. It's like all these things. Um, and I think for anyone who's like doing personal work or putting their personal story out there, yeah, that's like always the voice in your head that's telling you to like stop, like your story isn't important. Um, and I did question a lot, like, do I need to go into all these details about my relationship and stuff? But I think that like, based on audience response, the answer is yes, because that's what makes it feel real and relatable. And, um, I have to imagine like if a person was going through like a painful sex experience and they were in a relationship and the relationship was not doing well because of that, if they listened to me and I like didn't address any of those like deep, um, deep, hard relationship, intimate things, it would feel flat. Um, and so I think that I, I speculate that maybe that's why it's resonated with people is because like, I end up touching on these things that you don't normally talk about. And, and in the other episodes, like I will say all of the other characters are like people characters in a story sense have been incredibly vulnerable. And I think that that's like, that's something that I look for when I interview people. That's something I look for when I'm, when I'm deciding whose story to tell as someone who's like willing to be vulnerable and go there. Cause I think that's what makes those stories resonate with people. Uh, What have you learned from the show personally? Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, You know, one question that I've gotten before was like, how'd you get to, how'd you get people to like talk about this stuff and like share all these intimate things? Um, But I think people are actually like dying to talk about this stuff and really want to share. So it's more a matter of just opening up the conversation. And I can't tell you like how many times I've been just like minding my own business at a bar, at a party and I start talking about my work and then all of a sudden I'm hearing someone's like very intense endometriosis story or something. Like, I think it's a good reminder that, you know, we walk around the world thinking we're the only one with problems. Um, and just how many things are like under the surface. And I mean, I think like my, my hunch and my hypothesis about bodies was that, um, and my belief is that talking about our bodies is a really powerful way to communicate information. Um, the the name of bodies and a lot of its philosophy comes from a book um, published by a women's collective in Boston in the late 70s, I believe, called Our Bodies Ourselves. And most people are, are familiar with this. Um, and the whole thing was like, okay, doctors aren't really giving us the information we need. There's a lot of information out there. We should be talking to one another. And so um, some really beautiful things have happened with the Bodies Facebook group. Um, which if you're listening, you should definitely join. But it's it's pretty incredible. Like someone will post something even like a, you know, I'm having this menstrual issue. I've been to a bunch of doctors, no one can help. Or And then there's like within a few hours, all these different comments of people giving support, sharing resources, giving ideas, giving doctor recommendations for random cities across the US. So um, yeah, I think like it was my hunch and um, it's my belief, but I think it has been confirmed in making this show that um, there's something really powerful to be said about sharing, um, sharing stories that we're not normally sharing. So now we're going to get into our part of the show called our podcasters picks. Great. And it's when I ask today's subject or character, (laughs) (laughs) uh, there, give me three podcasts that you love that we should be listening to, uh, and describe them to me. Sure. So I'll give a shout out for, um, the shadows, 
which is a um, created by Caitlin Prest, who was my editor on The Intern and for the first episode of Bodies. And it is a fiction podcast about um, kind of the anatomy of a relationship and how a relationship comes into being and how it falls apart. Um, and it's really beautifully sound designed, very cinematic, very immersive. It's from the CBC. So check out The Shadows. Um, the other podcast I'll recommend is called The Heart, and it's a mostly documentary show about love and relationships and intimacy. Okay. And hosted by? And ho- um, and The Heart is hosted by Caitlin Prest and okay. um, a whole team of really great people. And then the third one I'll recommend is Long Form, which is interviews with um, journalists, documentarians, producers, creatives. And so... Um, they interviewed the um, Brian Reed, who created S Town. They there's this fantastic two part interview with Rukmini Kalmaki, who's the Times reporter who does all the ISIS reporting. Okay, um, and um, yeah, I just love hearing about people's process and how they put together a story and do their reporting. Cool. So, uh, Allison, before we get out of here, yeah, why do you podcast? I podcast because I love talking to people and understanding their stories. And it's a really incredible opportunity to get to know a person and understand how they move in the world. And, um, and by understanding other people, I think you understand yourself better. Wow, that's very profound. <laughs> that's Princeton right there. <laughs> Allison Bearshaw, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This Everybody really check fun. out Bodies. Great. We out of here. Thanks. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Other People's Podcast and to our special guest, Allison Behringer, host of Bodies. You can find the link to Bodies in the description of this episode. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. Music for this episode was provided by Richie Quake. And before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I have the link provided for you in the description as well. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Till next time. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Five days a week I had to change the way I speak. And on the weekend I'm catching up with the slang. My neighborhood's peak. I'll be labeled a neek if I'm made to look weak. I wanted to hang, but I noticed the state kids I used to play with slowly becoming a gang. When your social world is that dangerous, you want to be the baddest and the bravest and the craziest. So on that cheerful note, (laughs) welcome to my podcast. Have you heard George's podcast? Subscribe now on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 